Oh boy, pumpkin beers. Oh boy, pumpkin beers. <sighs> oh boy. Rinse that, beers. rinse that thing out. <laughs> oh boy, pumpkin beers. We knew this was going to happen. We knew it and we did it anyway. I was deluding myself because I, like I said, I've had some, my expectations have dropped so significantly that I've had some pleasant experiences with craft, with pumpkin beers. Um, But tonight was very stereotypical. It was the same bullshit that we've come to realize or bad, I mean, I'll say it, I'll say, you know, for, for me, for what I want, bad pumpkin beers. And, uh. It was almost four of the same, five of the same. Yeah, it's not uh, not very good. Okay, so let's. Uh, what are you What are you pouring right now? I think this is the beast thing, which is uh, Belgian golden with honey from Timber Creek Tap and Table up in Meadville. All right. Because so far, the best beer we've had tonight has been the one that we made. <laughs> and that's that's never a good sign. <laughs> we have to keep going until we find one. Here, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be the Belgian ale. That's not hoppy, so. <coughs> it's pretty good. Okay, that's better. Than <coughs> All right. Yeah, I was impressed. I was so. I think it was last Sunday. Kids and I, or Heather and I, and the kids went up to Cool Springs. It's a it's a pumpkin or a corn maze. Pumpkin corn maze. No, I'm sorry, not a, there are pumpkins there too, but it was a corn maze, and they it's a really big corn maze, and they do it in the theme of something every year, um, like and the maze is a a picture. So this year it was the Wizard of Oz. <clears throat> so I don't. Google for Cool Springs Corn Maze, and you'll see a picture of what they did. Uh, it's pretty impressive. And we're I'm trying to figure out, like, how they do this thing. And what aliens. I'm, what's that? Aliens. It's probably aliens. Definitely aliens. No. What they probably do is they probably have a grid on in, on, in the field where they do the corn maze, right? right? Yeah. And then they draw a picture on a grid, and then they plant each grid and leave the place open. So that's probably how they do it. Um uh, but yeah, they take an aerial photograph of it every year. They've been doing it for the last bunch of years. Mm-hmm. But the Wizard of Oz was a nice theme because they had a bunch of... Energizer. Keep going. <laughs> that was... Actually, that looks like a hardcore maze. The one Greg just showed me, the Energizer buddy. Um, it's a pirate ship. Yeah. If you go to their website, they'll have the... All right. They'll have the um, Wizard of Oz one on it. Coolspringmaze.com and they have other no things. place like the maze. They have other things you can do there. They have uh, so they have more than just getting lost in a garden. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, it's, okay, yeah. So that's uh, yeah. So it's kind of the, them walking along the yellow brick, yellow brick road, road. The and they actually had redone like the entrance to the maze as a yellow brick road, and they had as you know picture you picture taken with. Some mannequins of Dorothy and and whatnot. It was it was well done this year. The last time we went was two years ago or three years ago when it was the the prospector. You'll see the prospector one up there from like 2010 or so. 
2011 maybe. Okay. It was the last time we were there. This one it was a lot nicer this time around. But we were yeah, 2010. Yeah. We were halfway to Meadville, which mm-hmm. is where um, Voodoo Brewing is, and there's also this Timber Creek Tap and Table Brew Pub, where Meadville is kind of one of those bars with just a basic requirement of food. And it's good food, but it's not anything my kids would eat, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing. So we decided to go to Timber Creek, and I was pretty impressed with the Timber Creek beers. They had a Dortmunder, which I thought was really good on tap. I brought a growler home, and I drank it, I think, I think it was one day later. It might have been two days later. But it had dropped off significantly in the growler hmm. um, by the time I opened it. Um, this one's been here since last Sunday, so it's still pretty good, I think. It uh, hasn't dropped off too much. Their IPA was reasonable. I mean, it doesn't really stack up to amazing modern IPAs with, you know, these crazy hops that they have today. But, you know, for a more classic IPA, I think it's pretty good. Um, what else did they have? They had a stout. Um, they had a pumpkin beer. Um, I don't know. It's got to do what it's, it, it, it's. It's kind of an uh, up upscale pub, uh, brew pub type thing. Mm-hmm. So the food was a little. I had a burger. It was pretty good. A little overcooked from what I ordered, but that's par for the course. Any place, right? You order burgatory. I had a burgatory well, burger. It was awesome. I'm just saying, you order a medium and it comes out medium well. You know that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I, I had a, just about everywhere. I, I had a burgatory wagyu burger, and I. I would normally get a medium rare burger because burgers, medium rare is best. I had it uh, rare because now, it's why you do you do you order how you want your burger, anticipating how you think the chef's gonna the cook's gonna cook it, or do you order it how it's supposed to be? Right? Because there's times I order lighter than I want because I know they're gonna overcook it. I'm not. I don't have burgers that often okay. to, to for it to be a point where. Well, steaks too, right? Well, yeah, steak. I steak. I always order rare. Okay. Steak. I yeah. I, I think rare is is by far the best way right. to do it. Okay. Hamburgers are different, but if you're gonna do wagyu beef, you have to do it rare. It's 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 like getting fatted tuna and cooking it. You don't do yeah. that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But you know, I always try to play this game. Like, you know, I want I want a burger. You know, if it's a fresh beef burger type thing. I want it on the light side of medium. You know, I went between medium rare and medium. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm always playing this guessing game of what the cook is actually going to cook when you order it, and almost always overcook it because most people are going to complain if it's too bloody, and they're not going to complain if it's slightly overcooked, right? Now, I wonder if there's a well, way. It, it depends I wonder on if there's a go, way. Right? I wonder if there's a place you can like order the burger saying. I want it medium rare. I know what that means, and I really want medium rare. You know. Well, I remember. It's, I forget where it was, but I remember somebody asking me about a, how they wanted a burger, and I said, "Just a touch rarer than medium rare." So I was like, mm-hmm. giving you know, yeah, yeah. putting it to giving it that degree that indicates you know I know what medium rare is. I want that. But just slightly under what you would call medium rare, so I guess it's sort of the same thing. Yeah. But yeah, steaks rare, rare, hap- rare, always. 
Yeah. So burger was good, slightly overcooked, but it wasn't it wasn't medium well, right? It was a little past medium, mm-hmm. so I let it slide, right? Um, yeah, but that just gets me. Or the the time, you know, the times where they ask you how you want your meat, and it comes out almost well. As a matter of course, I said back. Yeah. I wanted this rare. You gave me well done. No. Yeah. I mean... Well, it's more of a problem for Heather, right? Because she doesn't like the idea of pink meat. Like, like really pink meat, right? I know. she. That, that's weird. No, but she she's coming around. She's like, she'll order stuff medium now, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, if she could get a steak or a burger that is actually medium well, like the definition of medium well, she'd be happy, right? But when you order medium well, you get something that is dry and burned out, you know? She had that rare Wagyu burger from Burgatory. She loved rare. Because that's just... It's it's awesome. I don't know if she could get past the texture. I think a rare texture might be a little rough for her. Well, what about steak? Is is she okay with a rare steak? She's She's okay with a medium... I mean... There's been times she's ordered a medium steak and it's come out medium rare or yeah. or like like you said touch before medium rare. Yeah. And she's okay with it. Yeah, cuz that's not that's different. It's texture-wise yeah. it's different. But like a yeah, a rare ground beef or medium rare ground like I think she might have an issue with the texture of medium rare ground beef. I I can sort of it, see it, that. It, I I actually I I dig texture differences. So I'm yeah, you know, I don't find them gross at all. I actually find them kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, even stuff that people are like, oh, that's slimy or something. I'm like, yeah, that's not that cool. It's kind of slimy. Um, but yeah, some people are grossed out by that. Some people are grossed out by eating insects too. A lot of people are grossed out by that, but I'm not. I have a stronger stomach than that in some cases. So, so I, I, yeah, I don't track with that, but I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just wish that there was a common. I just wish that the definition of these preparations of beef were actually definitions of the preparations of beef. Yeah, well, I mean, well, they are, but they're not, right? That's the problem, is that they are definitions that are not should followed. be, yeah, that are not followed. And I'm sure if we were on the other side of the table, if we were the wait staff, a lot of people don't know what they want. Right, they probably order something medium rare. The juice comes out red, and they send it back. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the definition. Medium rare is red juice. Medium yeah. is clear juice. With you well, know, medium rare is red meat, red juice. Medium is red meat, clear juice. Medium well is brown meat. You know, so I mean, I I always looked at it as as sort of the 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 red inside and what it's doing. So if, if it's rare, the red inside is is, is mostly cold, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, if it's medium rare, it's less red inside and it's uh, it's it's warm. If it's medium, there's even less red inside. It's almost no red inside, but it's just a tiny bit of red inside. And if it's See, medium no, actually, well, there's me- no red. So at medium all. well is a little touch of pink, and and well done is no pink. I mean, technically, right? But the big difference between medium rare and medium is the color of the juice, right? Okay. Medium rare has red juice. Medium has clear juice. 
So I love a juicy burger. Give me that red juice all day. Mm-hmm. What is she, I wonder what she would think of the um, steak tartare that is oh, that. Oh, no. No? Is it Brasserie she, Beck? She's not that open to... Uh, she's, she's a lot more open to certain things, you know, over the 10 years that we've been married, but... Uh, uh, Rob, so I, I don't think she would eat raw meat. She won't. Well, yeah, she doesn't need sushi. I don't. I'm pretty sure if she wants to eat sushi. She won't eat steak tartare. She won't even eat sushi. <laughs> she had sushi on the 2004 on the beer cruise. That was the last time she had sushi. <sighs> well, yeah. what are you gonna do? More sushi for you, right? Exactly. <laughs> Should we uh, anonymous this sucker up? Yeah, let's do that. I'm packed and I'm holding. She's giving. She's golden. She's here. Here, you look it up. I'm gonna sing. Right, hold on a minute. Um, okay, here we go. I'm packed and I'm holding. She's smiling. She's living. She's golden. She lives for me. She says she lives for me. Ovation. Her own motivation. She comes round. She goes down on me. And I make her smile like a drug for you. Do whatever you want you want to do. Coming over you. Keep on smiling what we're going through. One stop to the rhythm that divides you. And I speak to you like the chorus to the verse. Chop another line like a coda to the curse. Come on like a freak show takes the stage. We give the games we play. And she said, I want something else to get me through this. Semi-charm kind of life Baby, baby I want something else I'm not listening when you say Goodbye The sky was gold It was a rose I was taking sips up it through my nose And I wish I could get back there Someplace back there Smiling to the pictures you would take Doing crystal mist will lift you up until you break it it won't stop. I won't come down. I keep stock with my tick-top rhythm. I bumped from the drop, and I bumped up. Took the hit that I was given, and I was given. I bumped again, and oh, then I bumped again. Guy. And I said... Oh, that poor guy. Um, I believe in the sand beneath my toes. <laughs> the beach gives a feeling, an earthy feeling. I believe the faith that grew. Oh, I lost the rhythm. Don't worry. I think you've done enough. And when the plane came in, she said she was crashing. The velvet that rips the city that we tripped. The urge to feel alive. Now I'm struggling to survive. For the days you were wearing that velvet dress. You are the priestess, I must confess. Those little red panties, they pass the test. Slide up around the belly, face down on the mattress. One. <laughs> and you hold me. We're broken. Still, it's... William Shatner should do this song. <laughs> and you hold me. We're broken. That's more of walking, I think. Yeah, I, I read something about walking. How walking, when he gets a script, he immediately gets rid of all the punctuation yeah. marks. Yeah, I heard that one a yeah. little Which is awesome. I remember, I think we talked about this probably back in like 2005. You know, I had Netflix at the time. I went on a walking kick, rented like all the, the B list, like walking uh-huh. movies. Scotland, PA was 
awesome. Remember that one? There was, uh, what was that other one called? There was another one that was fantastic, too. It was, damn it, it was something cowboy. It was in New York City. But there's a line, that's like, chops, you know, the punts without the ass. <laughs> Chaps, you know, yes, the pants without the ass. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I think that walking is very interesting, but Nick Cage is is, is almost more of an Nick enigma. Cage, Nick Cage. What do you mean you don't know Nick Cage? I probably do. Oh, Nicholas Cage. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you got to go by a SAG actor, SAG name, Sorry. man. How Sorry. am I supposed to get Nick Cage? He's just—he's more of an enigma. He's kind of like, what the hell is he doing? Like, this beer is good. I like this beer with the honey. I like it. <laughs> you have an Amazon Amazon Anonymous, mm-hmm. or do I need to sing some more Third Eye Blind? Uh, no, but I need to play the Amazon Anonymous song. So I guess you need this slider turned up. Oh, I can have two because one, I'm just I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody bought the MLB New Era Biggest Fan Redux Knit Beanie <laughs> with Palm for the Orioles, and I'm sorry because the Orioles lost. They're not they four and out in the American League Championship Series. Um, he did buy that a while ago. I remember seeing that. Okay, last week when I was looking. So. I mean, but, but I mean, he bought it because hey, I mean, Orioles fan, and the Orioles are doing well. He so. bought the orange socks to go with it. Yeah, and a few other things. So. The Orioles were doing great, and then they ran into Kansas City like a buzzsaw, and bam. So sorry, dude, uh, but that happens. You know, it's oh. baseball. I was in San, San Jose the night the one they won the uh, ALCS or whatever. So. Or NLCS, which I don't even know which the, division. The NLCS, yeah. NLCS, and uh, and it's not San Jose who won it. No. Well, but there's still San Jose fans there. I mean, or San Francisco fans. But the other the thing, whole got, Bay Area. The other thing that I got is the uh, Billy Jealousy Beard Envy Kit. <laughs> uh, beard wash cleans, softens, and detangles the gnarliest of beards. Leaves beards silky smooth, manageable, and frizz-free, sulfate-free formula. So, there you go. Oh, man, I still don't even have the report up. You're too quick. Read some reviews or something. Um. I always feel like somebody's watching me. This is a very good theme song. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, three stars. My face feels amazing. (laughs) This wash is great. Four stars there. It definitely meets expectation. Suds up without needing extra water. The conditioner really sets the bar. Five stars, hands down. My beard honestly hasn't ever felt so soft. I've used various shampoos, conditioners, etc., etc. I've even loaded up with moisturizing hand lotion while I'm at work. I want to buy a tub of this stuff. The brush, one star. Maybe two. One side's bristles feel like they could be a little firmer. The other side is definitely too harsh to run against my skin. My real problem was the brush handle itself splitting in half within a week of using it. I have big hands and an iron grip from power lifting. Even so, I use it four times, and now I have two half brushes. I buy the bottles again in a heartbeat. The brush is garbage, though. 
Should have read that as Nick Cage, but okay. <laughs> that would have been better, actually. Yes. All right, so you got two, I get two. First one I pick is the LEGO Series 12 collectible minifigure, Video Game Guy Gamer. And it's uh, $5.88. It gets four, three and a half stars. And it is a dude with a mop on his head, headphones, black t shirt says Player One, has a wallet chain with a USB key on it, I think. And, uh,. A Nintendo controller and a big smile. People like this because after two specific, specially themed sets for the Lego Movie and The Simpsons, we're finally back to the original focus of the Lego minifigure sets. Interesting and random minifigures, and Series 14 has some really good ones. Video Game Guy must be the most common figure in the set, unless I've just had bad luck. Of the ten packages I bought, four were this guy. Oh well, I guess I can make video game tournaments set up. <laughs> so he's making a video game tournament set up for the guy. Alright, so that's one. We got a few of the, the, the minifigures. Uh, it's kind of like baseball cards. They come in a a pack. You can't see who's in it. Okay, yeah, yeah. And there's probably like 12 different characters in a series. And, you know, it's like, collect them all. They've done, I mean, over the... Over the series, is they've done some really neat Lego minifigures. Um, it's a neat collectible, and uh, Heather gets them when they're like on sale at Toys R Us. So we don't pay five eighty eight, which this person paid. You know, she gets them for like at least I hope she gets them for like two or three bucks. I think that's what she gets them for. Um, anyway, and then let's see. I will also pick Birdie Bots Every Flavor Beans Jelly Beans Harry Potter Four Pack. $8.75 for the four-pack of these beans that are Harry Potter-themed? Harry, Harry Potter-themed Potter jelly beans? Their ingredients are sugar, corn syrup, and a bunch of other things? Let's see. What the hell are these? Is this in the is this, or orders? This is under orders. What? I've done it for like the last... I did since like October 3rd or something like that. Um, question. Is this candy or What? Answer, it is candy, yes. If you're familiar with the Harry Potter books, then you will remember these are these as the tricky treats Ron and Harry once shared. Some flavors are delicious, fruit, or candy flavor, while others are less appetizing. Soap, grass, black pepper, and dreaded vomit. Birdie Bots, every flavor beans are... How did they come up with the vomit flavor? So, Jelly Belly has... Yeah. They're normal beans, and then they have a series of bean boozled, and they look exactly like the other ones, but they're nasty flavors. And they look up the bean boozled kit, and you'll see that like you'll buy, and there'll be like a little tray of uh, summer popcorn, and then ones look just like popcorn. There'll be a couple pencil shavings stuck in there. <laughs> and uh, I've always wanted to really get the bean boozled and you know mm-hmm. screw with people, but I haven't. Um, there's a dirty jobs where Mike Rowe was a jelly belly and they they formulated one that smelled like his inside of his boots. <laughs> so they work on a nasty flavor with all these chemicals that they have. <laughs> okay, so five star review. The flavors are not lies. These beans are a wonderful thing. The good flavors you can eat, and they are totally fantastic. The terrible flavors you can belittle the manhood of your friends. The in-between flavors, like grass, they're largely there to confuse you and do so wonderfully. 
So these are Harry Potter themed bean-boozles, I guess, right? I, in the book, I guess, maybe there was nasty flavored jelly beans? Yeah, there or? were. Yes. Alright. In so, the movie, too. Okay. Well, I haven't watched, I haven't read or watched any of Harry uh, Potter. You should, it's good. There's only one left in stock. If you like the idea of the Birdie Butts Every Flavored Jelly Beans for Harry Potter, you better order quickly because there's only one four-pack left in stock. There's 23 packs left in stock, though. All right. What are we listening to? A song called God Help the Girl. She's told us that. Where'd you pick this one from? I've never heard it. Um, it came up in a TV show I was watching. Okay. Sounds like one that could have made it on Lost. Yes. It actually, it, it was very lost in the way it was used. Mm-hmm. It was very, it was the opening, you know, it was very much like season two mm-hmm. episode. Right. Yeah. Best episode of TV ever? Definitely the best opening to a TV show I've ever seen in, in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that... Ranks up there with yeah, the 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 most amazing thing I've seen. One of the most amazing things I've seen on TV ever was that that first whatever like Desmond. four minutes, yeah. yeah, where you didn't where you're like, okay, there's a flashback, right? And then oh no, it's not. Oh oh oh, oh my god! <laughs> and the song was oh the song. I mean, it was um, what was it? Uh, it was Mama Cass, right? And yeah, it was. Mama Cass. Um, I can't think of what it is. It's not ringing. I, I, I know. I know exactly what it is. On the tip as, soon of my as, I, as soon as I hear it, it'll take me back yeah. to her. But it's. Uh, oh God! It's on the tip of my tongue. It is this song. I can't jack into the music like Greg can, but. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> Cursor at the computer of the dead. Your music. own kind of make your own kind of music. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> As I actually played the scene in my head to get to the point where he played it, and I'm like, mm. oh, okay, that's a song. And what I, what I remember even what was even crazier about this was that you know this was so good, mm-hmm. and Lost was such a big cultural phenomenon that like about three or four months later they had I think like a Snickers commercial where somebody was eating a Snickers to this song <laughs> <laughs> because like oh the song's popular right let's use that yep my life just pulled up in the yeah. Make your own kind of music. Oh, I guess I need to turn you up a little bit. You can just let that roll. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Amazon Anonymous, California. What else is going on? The, um... I don't know if there's anything else worth telling there. Like I said, I met some great beer people. Oh, so I don't know if you saw my other tweet, but when I was in the airport yesterday morning, 
I saw someone I recognized, and he was a he's a guy that does TechWise TV, and I was just watching his videos to get my head around routing protocols, OSPF and BGP. And I'm like, hey, I watch you on the internet, and it, like we chatted for like over an hour about tech and whatnot. Really cool guy. He, I think he's employed by Cisco. But he seems like he works as a consultant as well. He does his his video thing. But uh, Jimmy Ray Purser is his name. Well, and so now you know what it feels like, you know, when people come on the other side. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But hey, like you listen to you guys. Like, oh yeah, okay. I mean, it, it, we love it. But at the same time, it makes us uncomfortable because it's like, well, we're just two schmucks in the basement. So it doesn't <laughs> seem like anyone yeah, should I mean, care. But no, like. Yeah, you know, we we, I don't think I was imposing. We we you know we were there two hours early for the flight, right? We mm-hmm. chatted for at least an hour just about you know tech stuff. Told him about the company, whatnot. So it was pretty cool. Like, hey, <laughs> you just like you know helped me with something I was working on with your your videos about OSPF. So so I had this. Uh, so I was working on this. I remember the luchador thing we talked about mm-hmm. before. Right, saw right. The, the, that was, so I I had written a, a script, a first draft of something, and it was, I mean, it was a shitty first draft, but this first drafts are going to be shitty. And then we went through it, and we ran through it, uh, and then decided, okay, take this part out, you know, expand this part, change certain things, whatever. And then I made a second draft that, that did that, sent it out to everybody, and then I thought the second draft was pretty structurally sound. We got to the point where it was, you know, well done. So I was like, all right, now I'm going to concentrate on dialogue. And also, there were a couple of things, like I thought the middle was sagging. Uh, and so I cut some things, moved some things around. I thought the third draft was really pretty good. I mean, I, I wanted to do another a fourth draft on it, but I thought mm-hmm. it really came out pretty well. Um, you know, one of the things about when, you, when you're starting to focus on dialogue, then Every line has to be a setup or a punchline. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just have just lazy dialogue. Or you have what they had before you got involved. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and and, and that was a lot of fun, and it was it was both hard and fun to do because you're kind of mm-hmm. um, you're wrestling with the universe at that point. You're 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 wrestling with creativity and trying well, to I mean, figure I, out. I can cer- I mean, I've never tried to do such a thing, but I can certainly imagine how tough it can be because you have in your mind a, a, an arc that you want to do, right? And you're trying to feel... And then, like, when do you cut... Like, when do you abandon a, a certain arc, right? Like, I can't make this it, one punch, right? So I need to even change if, like, it. Or, or there's things like, there's this line or this scene I really like, but it's just not working, and I just mm-hmm. got to get rid of it. There's these things that happen... Uh, there's an action, you know, there's one action that I took out, even though I got laughs at the read and it was really good, but it was like, no, it just doesn't fit here. And, you know, you have to, Mm -hmm. they say editing is killing your babies and that's sort of what you have to do. You have to kind of be real, you have to be real judicious about, okay, this isn't working. This, you know, this flows, this doesn't. And you also then have to kind of wrestle out, all right, this stuff is happening. How do I make that funny? How do I make that? dynamic and how what are the voices of these characters you kind of figure that out mm-hmm. as you're writing right. like I, I had uh, the John character different in the first draft in the second draft than he was in the third draft he toned down his kind of stuck upness a little because 
it flowed better and it felt better from a character perspective that he was like that. Anyway, so I sent out a third draft. I was like, I'm really happy with this. Take a look at it. I'd like to hear your feedback. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to work on a fourth draft because I want to, you know, punch it up even more when we get together and talk about it. So let me, I remind you that the first draft had essentially all the same plot points. Uh, and we went over, we, we did a read through of this two weeks ago. So I get an email or I get a text message from Chris and he says, take, I like it, but take out the reference to porn and drugs. (laughs) There's a quick porn reference in there, which is just, uh, the character is looking at something and uh, somebody asks him what he's looking at, and he just nonchalantly says porn, and then continues on with his conversation. It's a funny joke. I wasn't too mad about... I wasn't mad about either one, necessarily. Mm-hmm. But the the drug thing played to kind of a major sort of plot point. The drug thing was just a weed joke, and uh, a joke about the weed dealer that played a kind of plot point and character point in between these two people. There was never actually any weed on screen. Uh... But and I asked him why, and he said, "I'm an educator, and I'm afraid that if somebody sees this, I will get in trouble for it." Hmm. I was like, "You're playing a character. There's never actually any weed on screen, nor is ever actually any porn on screen. What's your problem?" I'm an educator, and I can't. Well, it, you shouldn't be doing anything. Yes. It, <laughs> You shouldn't even have a Facebook page. If if you're fucking that worried about it, then don't do anything. So we confronted each other at Fright Night because he was there with with the group, and I was uh, I was very angry. And the reason I was angry was not because he asked for revisions or he asked for changes. <laughs> it was that we had already done these jokes two weeks ago and already written two drafts, and he hasn't. Didn't say anything then, and now he says something. I, and also, let me make this point very, very clear. I'm not being paid for this, right? I'm not somebody who is writing for a job, and somebody says you have to do, you know, you have to change this and this, and so, okay, I have to change this and this. I am doing this to help them make something decent as opposed to something like a piece of shit. And I'm working hard to do it. And he comes to me two weeks after he could have said something, and I could have changed this around, mm-hmm. and says to change it. And his per, his contribution to the project, as it were, to this point, is about somewhere in the vicinity of zero. So it really fucking pissed me off that he's going to come to me and tell me to change all this. Oh, you can just change this and this. Just do it. No contribution otherwise whatsoever. Like an executive in a suit coming down telling me, but I'm not even working for the fucking suit. And then his explanation as to why is bullshit, because he's not an educator. He's a babysitter. He's the babysitter not for kids, but for mentally challenged adults who are in their 20s. He says, what if their parents see it and got... Their parents, these are kids who are 20, 21, 22 years old. 
What if the kids see it? And he said, did some of them are drug addicts? They're already drug addicts. And you're making a joke about a character about, well, you know, I, I can't do it. He said, all right, well, I said, what if we, what if we do this? I'm going to make your character gay. And we're going to change the jokes to be about lube and about uh, a grinder. And <laughs> and he said, no, no fucking way I'm doing that. And I said, why not? It's not going to be a problem. And he said, no, I'm just not going to play that character. So I was like, so so your whole thing is bullshit. It's not about this. You just want to play a fucking morally upstanding character for you. Don't, you know, it pisses me off that you're fucking lying to me about this. Don't lie to me. Tell me the reason, and I'll respect you more. Anyway, it really pissed me off. We, you know, I I, I realized that staying mad at him for this is, is useless, but at the same time, I don't think this is going to go anywhere further from this mm. point. It's just not going to work with somebody who is not willing to not willing to accept things or not willing to provide possible solutions to things just says change this, 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 and this for no reason and can come out of nowhere. So I thought this script was really, was really coming along. It was really nice for a, you know, five minute little dumb sketch. <laughs> well, let's do it. You want to do it? Let's do it. All right. I will send you the, um, <clears throat> the script. Compose to Jeff. Subject script. How many characters are in it? There are three characters. I'll play the Luchador, and I'll play. I'll play Chris. You can play John, and I'll okay. do stage direction. Or do you want to do two characters and I'll do stage direction? And... Um, well, let's pause because I'm going to have to read through it a couple of times before I can, you know, you know me reading yeah. cold out loud doesn't work so okay. well. So we're going to pause. I'm going to get my lines. Right. We're going to play, uh, play Greg's script. Okay. All right, we're back. Okay, so I just uh, showed uh, Jeff the script. And like I said... This is a draft. This is the third draft. I, I planned at least one more draft before uh, probably you know we do a read through and in the room go through and t- punch up jokes. But this is the third draft of the the concept was living with the luchador. That was the only thing that Chris brought to the table was the concept of of two guys who also live with a Mexican wrestler because Chris really likes wrestling and that's it. That's the only concept they had. So this is an episode that uh, was one of a th- of a uh, three episodes that we're going to focus on each in, on one of the individual okay. characters. This was the one that was focusing on the Luchador character. Uh, at least the, the story was mm-hmm. revolving around right. Luchador character. So I will do the stage direction and I will play John, and Jeff will play Luchador and. Pl- We'll play Chris. Luchador is the Mexican wrestler with the 
quasi-Mexican accent, we'll say. Yeah, I'm not sure I can deliver a great yeah. Mexican accent, but I'll try. <laughs> All right, so I will cut out the establishing shots as just to make sure that people understood, but I don't want you to do the regular. Interior, kitchen, day. John walks into the kitchen to see El Petrico surrounded by shopping bags filled with various ingredients of indeterminate origin. John looks into the bag. I am John here. I thought they locked up the dollar store dumpster. Eh, I stole the key. I'm making a real, authentic Mexican meal. John looks at the collected ingredients. With expired easy cheese? Sometimes you got the compromise. I can't get everything I need here in the States. So by authentic, you mean not at all authentic. Looks at more ingredients. And potentially deadly. Petrico grabs the bag away from John's gaze. Most of that is not for the meal. Most of it is for luchador stuff. Luchador stuff? You don't do anything. Well, look at me now. I'm cooking. John begins to back away, showing a measure of concern, but mostly aliveness. I should probably go check the smoke detectors. John walks out, leaving Petrico alone with his ingredients. Petrico starts tearing through his bags. As we cut to interior, interior family room moments later, John approaches Chris, who is sitting on the couch, looking at a laptop. So, did you put him up to this? Chris, not looking at John, holds a finger up high in the air in a wait-a-minute pose as he continues to look at his computer screen. John, annoyed, waits a few seconds before becoming visibly more frustrated. After a longer-than-necessary time, Chris puts down his finger, closes his laptop, and looks up at John. Feigning interest. Put who up to what? Petrico cooking. And what was so important... Yeah, porn. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed the no beat part. Yeah. <laughs> porn. He said he wanted to make a meal. Who gives a shit? Chris starts to open his computer, but is interrupted by John. He's a moron. A moron who is right now holding our knives. Tom Cruise is a moron. He's famous. Confused. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, you see how little I care. Chris reopens his computer as John leaves, flustered. Cut to into your kitchen later. Petrico empties a bag of crushed tortilla chips onto a plate, forming a mound. On top, he sprinkles fish food, then opens a can of cat food, dropping it on the tortilla. Tacos! In an American accent. Just like Mom used to... Oh, was tacos supposed to be in a... Yeah, yeah, tacos! Tacos! Just like Mom used to make. Petrico quickly catches himself and clears his throat. <clears throat> I mean, just like a mama. He curiously looks around to see if anyone noticed. Interior hallway, some indeterminate time later, John walks up to Chris, who is standing in the hallway, typing something on his phone, not paying attention. We see John approach and see from his perspective into the kitchen where Petrico appears to be running around indiscriminately. So this is the way we die. Actually, now I'm kind of curious to see what kind of what, see what a real Mexican meal tastes like. What, you really think he'll make something edible? He's from there. Hey, even I can make a hot dog. Chris stops looking at his phone, then turns towards John inquisitively. By the way, have you seen my weed anywhere? Rolling his eyes. Why would I have? No. Why don't you just ask T-Bone for more? Who's T-Bone? John starts to walk out of the highway. Oh, the hallway. I don't know. Sounds like a drug dealer's name. 
Chris shakes his head as John walks off. He waits a beat. His name is T-Dog, idiot. Interior kitchen later. The following are quick cuts. Pichico pours beans into a pot of some sort. A close-up of the bag reveals these are black licorice jelly beans. Frioles! Quick cut to Pichico grates Cheetos onto a plate. Queso! Quick cut to Pichico pours in a bag of what is obviously Chris's marijuana. Cilantro! Quick cut to Pichico squirts wasabi out of an obvious tube. Guacamole! Quick cut to Pichico squeezes ketchup from a bottle. Uh, tomatoes! He continues to throw ingredients into the pot. Just like homemade. Uh, some time has passed. Cut to interior kitchen sometime later. Pichico finds himself with a plate full of a gross mixture of slime and goo. Pichico does not seem to mind how it looks, but swipes a finger in to take a taste. Uh-oh. I didn't get the spices right. Pichico stares at his failure for a few seconds, then sees something under a bag. He checks it out and takes out a stapled together pile of papers and lo- of, of loose-leaf papers. Written on the first page clearly is Pichico Familia Cookbook. There are pen-drawn doodles of lightning bolts and guitars. Suddenly, Pichico expresses a huge amount of excitement. He's over the moon. Ah, I found it. Now I can make it the right way. Pichico swiftly walks out of the kitchen. Cut to exterior. Taco Bell parking lot near sunset. We see a low shot of Pichico walking towards a Taco Bell, blocking the sun with his triumphant pose. In the background, we hear the traditional Taco Bell bong sound. Cut to interior dining room night. Chris and John are seated on opposite ends of a table, both staring down at the plates in front of them. On each plate, a taco from Taco Bell, still wrapped up in paper. Pichico bounces in, giddy with excitement. Under his arm is a toy chihuahua. And now, the best part. Huevos, huevos rancheros. Pichico cracks an egg over each wrapped taco, dropping both the egg and the shell onto the plate. (laughs) Mucho apetito. Oh, by the way, since I did the cooking, you guys clean up. It's only fair. Pichico walks out. John and Chris continue to stare at their plates for a few seconds. Cut to interior kitchen immediately afterward. Pichico walks through the messy kitchen, fake chihuahua in hand. We did good today, tiny dog friend. As dog pantomime. We sure did! You kiso Pichico! Cut to interior dining room immediately afterward. John and Chris continue to stare at their food in front of them. John breaks the silence. Did you get any more weed yet? Let me call T-Dog. Chris pulls out his phone, voice dials. Call Gilbert. John confuses mouth Gilbert to Chris, who just shrugs. Hey, T-Dog, have you got any? Oh, at your place? Gives thumbs up to John. John gets up. I'll drive. They both get up to to leave as we fade to black. So there you go. That's the story. I... I laughed when I read through, uh, you know, the first time in my head. And then when I was reading my lines, and this is probably because I'm not an actor, mm-hmm. it felt like Birdemic. <laughs> you know, I, I it, the lines didn't feel natural when I said them out loud. And I don't know if that's because I can't deliver lines or if the jokes weren't as good as they were in my head. I'm not sure. I, I think it's, um, I mean... The director is the person who who gets the script to the stage, right? But you read through is about 
sort of ascertaining what lines work and what don't. Mm-hmm. And if we found a line didn't seem to work, well, we, we didn't we didn't read them out loud, right? I read the script in my yeah. head, right? Mm-hmm. And I laughed a couple times. I'm like, that's funny. And then when I had to deliver some of those jokes, I would say they that weren't funny. And I would have directed now, you differently. I mean, right. I wasn't directing you in terms of how to say those right, lines. Right. Uh, in my head, they were different uh, mm-hmm. than, than how you said them. I tried to deliver them like I read them the first time, mm-hmm. but because I'm not an actor, I wasn't able to. Yeah, no, I mean, that, and that's fine, and, and you know, that's why actors are also important in making mm-hmm. these things come right. alive. Um, but know, I mean, I, I, I'm like that line fell flat. This feels like birdemic. You know, that's kind of <laughs> well when if you're doing it as when you're the audience. And you're reading it in your head, and you're, you're coming up with how it perfectly is in your head, and it, it's funny. And then if you read it out loud, it doesn't seem funny. Well, uh, then there's two things: one, either change the line or, or change the way you're reading it. Right. Um, and like I said, this was not the final draft. This was oh, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, this was not criticism, right? This was more of a. I thought this would be interesting to talk about, right? Yeah. Because like a couple of those jokes really landed well in my head. And when I tried to say them out loud, they thudded. They were they were bad. And could I deliver them better? I don't know. That's that's kind of the question, right? Or do things sound better when you're drafting than they actually do when they're performed? You know, it's always a process of both of those things. I mean, the page is going to be funnier than the screen, probably. But you can take how the actor does something and either change, you know, you can change the wording or change how something is said and or change the intonation mm-hmm. uh, on set or something and, and make it better with the same joke, just sort of different wording or, or, or different way of, you know, placing people. Uh, you know, I, I think that in general, I, I kind of, you know, I did, you know, hit some, some good comedic points there. Um, mm-hmm. And... It was way better than like my first draft, which was sort of it was much more sort of mechanical in terms of the uh, the dialogue. Well, sure, sure. Like, I mean, that's what I said when I read it. It seemed like it had a good flow. It seemed like it had a good, you know, good punchlines to it. But I couldn't, I couldn't deliver those punchlines, and I have no delusions that it was not my fault. But the question is, is you know, is it easier to write a joke in like a short story or a book than it is to write a joke for uh, for a play you know I, I would say absolutely yes but the other thing you have to think of is i mean it, it's easier to write a joke for good actors than it is for bad actors mm-hmm. and birdemic had a lot of bad actors <laughs> yeah uh that's not to say that that good actors would have been able to make birdemic a great movie but it would have made it better than it was just right. by the virtue of their performance being uh, I mean, I'm under no illusions that I'm some sort of fantastic writer either. I, I just have this bug in me to write, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think I did a decent job of, of turning a, a, a piece of shit ultimately into something a lot more positive. Yeah, I mean, like the Tom Cruise line I didn't deliver. I, I think if I had some more practice, I could deliver the Tom Cruise line better, you know, and make that a laugh, you know. And then... The 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 way you know dropping the eggs on that's that's a visual gag yeah. mostly right so that one's hard to pull in a table read. 
There on, were a couple of visual gags. That, the, the one that I loved the most when I was writing it is is Chris holding up his finger <laughs> to John as John walks in and just being like, no, I'm just looking at this and waiting in too long of a time <laughs> before dropping. Right. So, yeah, there were lots of visual jokes in here that, uh, you know, translate better. Well, it is a video. You're writing yeah. for, for video, so... Well, do you think it's ever going to get produced or no? No, no I don't think it ever gets produced. Uh, I think that I'm sort of abandoning the project now. But it was fun. I mean, and and I had uh, it was good experience taking, figuring out, you know, getting a story. I mean, it, there were a lot. There, I don't know if you you could do the whole story tracking thing with that because the Petrico's journey. Um, some things were implied. I mean, it's only going to be you know, only going to be like a five minute video, so some certain mm-hmm. things were implied. But for example, the thing that got him from uh, from point six from the meeting with the goddess to the atonement with the father is the uh, the the magical boon as uh, as or ultimate boon rather, as Campbell would put it. There's some sort of he was he he did what he thought he needed to do. He failed, but he needs to find like magical talisman mm-hmm. that will help him get over. Uh, and that would that was the cookbook, right? And the cookbook helped him understand what he needed to do to do it. And then he took the magical flight. Campbell crossed the return threshold, and that was the magical flight to Taco Bell. So, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you see how these things all actually they do work. You just yeah. Put them in context of the story you're telling. Yeah, it seems like if you could fit it in earlier, something about him trying to find the cookbook, you know, not knowing that it was this shoddy lightning bolts and rock star cookbook, but yeah. played up as an authentic leather, you know, like a real uh-huh. family treasure, right? Have a shot of him trying to find this cookbook to make dinner, right? I think that might have helped set the cookbook. And then when yeah. you actually see the cookbook being this shitty cookbook yeah. that says go to Taco Bell, that would have made that joke better, right? I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that maybe when he was explaining to John, like, I have a family cookbook and everything, or something along those mm-hmm. lines, just right. to, to establish that there is a, yeah, there is mm-hmm. this right. this magical thing out there that exists. And then... I'm and it turns to, out to just be a loose leaf paper with right, guitars right. drawn. And then try to establish the dumpster diving part. I'm not sure how, as clearly as the cookbook one, right? But it seems like it seems like it almost needed a an establishment of the dumpster diving. Actually, like the joke about stealing the key or something like that. It like I, I mean, little, that was because. There was no joke in the beginning, and I kind of had to throw something in there mm-hmm. to, you know, to start it off. That's a funny joke, punchy. but I just think if you could, fle- you know, if that could be somehow established quickly and fleshed out a little bit more, right? I, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't have as like for the cookbook. I think you yeah. know we we talked about that how to nail that one, but uh, I'm not sure how to nail the dumpster dive bit a little bit better. That almost would have to come from a previous episode. And it's possible it could. I mean, I just thought it was it, it was a way to establish that it was less than great ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it might have been... It was weird that he made a joke about diving in a dumpster, and then it turned out to be literally true. 
right? Uh, it might have been funnier if it was just a joke or if there was something establishing why it was literally true, you know? Um, I'm kind of not following you. Okay. I mean, the, the the joke was was that he is dumpster diving and that... But, but John expected him to be dumpster diving. No, well, John thought that he couldn't dumpster dive anymore. Whoa. So, <laughs> like, I, I thought they locked that. Right, right, right. I, so, which... I think it might... Yeah, I mean... I the think implication is that he he's been dumpster done, diving right, before, right. and that you know, and clearly he has stuff that l- really looks like it came from a dumpster. I thought they <laughs> they locked that up. I thought you can't do that anymore. Says so, no, I still look key, and that that just sort of right. barrels past. No, it. I, yeah, it does barrel past, and I think if that that's the thing is I'm saying. I'm wondering if it barrels past a little too hard, right? If if well, never mind. Um, I'm trying to sell past the clothes, trying not to gild mm-hmm. lilies here. I'm trying to. To, to keep the jokes mm-hmm. punch 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 move right, move right. move so I don't want to get too involved in, in too many jokes the 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 T-bone T-dog jokes like where did you get all this stuff at the dollar store you know and then reveal that it was dumpster diving at the dollar store you know something like that I I mean I, I see where you're coming from I, I, I guess I disagree from my point because okay. I think it's funnier him just being like just instantly recognizing that it's dollar store true. refuse and being like, I thought they lock up. I thought they made that you can't get this anymore. You know, and then saying, eh, no, it's so key. So that to me is funnier. Mm-hmm. I'm writing it, so fuck you. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, that's fine. Okay, so I mean, I do have another piece of comment, yeah. comment on that. And, you know, stealing the key implies a lot of competency, right? Maybe the joke, the punchline is he found a different dollar store or a family dollar and, or something. Actually, to be honest, I thought about that. I was like, you know, okay, stealing a key is a little complicated, but, but then because the first joke was going to be, I, I managed to form a key or something like that, mm-hmm. or I managed to pick the lock, and I was like, oh, God. I think I would change it to, but the family dollar doesn't yet. You know, something like that, right? Family dollar doesn't what? Doesn't lock their dumpster yet. Your dollar store does, but Family Dollar doesn't, or something. Oh, like actually, that's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, I thought they locked the dumpster. Yeah, but Family Dollar doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not yet, anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that, that's a good. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Too bad it won't be going forward, but <laughs> um, there are plans for me and so there are people to do something different cool so if you need an awesome actor like me let me know <laughs> you can deliver those lines and stomp on all your punch lines and ruin them all all right two things that i had uh i i posted a, a thing to twitter that uh it kind of it kind of all encompasses a, a, a quarter a sort of metaphor that i have for if i ever were to encounter somebody and i haven't to be honest, but if I ever were to encounter somebody who is who literally takes like the Bible seriously as as a as a literal thing, and and mm-hmm. my uh, example is okay, so let's look at these holy books, like they, you know, actually, let's not look at the holy books first. Let me look. They've taken an encyclopedia from today, and I'll take an encyclopedia from a hundred years ago. And put them side by side. You'll see a lot of things in the encyclopedia from 100 years ago that are correct, 
and a lot of things that are wrong compared to what we mm-hmm. know today. And we will recognize that and we'll understand why. If you take a look at these holy books, these were their encyclopedias of the time. Mm-hmm. They were intertwined with you know, the messages of how the world works, with how the culture works, with how you know society is supposed to work. Uh, and then with various mythologies for, for how things work, because mm-hmm. that's, how scientific they, method. that's how they understood the world. And it certainly made sense to them. Uh, and their history is all wrapped up in mythology because you know, the, the Bible itself, let's say it's, I think, 1700 or so years ago when it was finally codified. But before that, it was a bunch of different books. And mostly it was uh, even before that, it was long before that, it was it was told in story and song and stuff mm-hmm. like that before it was ever written, before the technology of writing came around. So this is a, a very, very, very old encyclopedia, essentially. Mm-hmm. And there are some things in it that are correct, and there are some things in it that are wrong. But just like you'd trust today's encyclopedia over the encyclopedia 100 years ago based on certain things, why are you going to then take this 1,700-year-old encyclopedia and say this is the way things actually work? It's a psychological thing, man. It's just the way we're wired. I know. I Most know. Humans I know are that, wired. that this that the logic thing is not exactly uh, going to work for everybody. But I made a tweet about. All right. What if I? What if I were to try to take the Bible, or at least take Genesis as certainly metaphorical. But how can I adapt the metaphors to what we now understand about reality? And so I thought, okay, well, what if we take Genesis and don't just take the very first part of Genesis as the entirety of the creation story, but take the whole of Genesis as sort of the creation story. And then adapt that to what we know about the Big Bang. And I said something along the lines of, this is where, you know, I was getting, I was you know, tired and probably drunk. And I was just like, eh, what, what kind of things I think of? So I thought, okay, the, the Big Bang certainly can be a metaphor for, you know, let there be light. Um, and you could say things like uh, separating the light from the darkness, separating various uh, areas of energy density. Right? That eh, follows in some way. Then I said, okay, what if you that you know you kept Genesis up? You didn't just stop at the very creation thing and said, oh, the earth was done, that was it. There, there was still a lot more in Genesis that was just about the Big Bang. And so I thought, okay, well, then maybe Adam is a metaphor for space-time. God, the universe, whatever, created space-time and... Adam's eating of the apple is spontaneous symmetry breaking when all the four forces separated. <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> wow. Yeah. How far can you go with metaphor? I mean, clearly it's, it, it's messed up and fucked up, but it, it shows that you can kind of take anything and, and twist it in some sort of way. Because mm-hmm. everything was all one force, and then there was spontaneous symmetry breaking, and it all fell apart. Okay. <laughs> I guess. 
Yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, How far did you take it? How far? That's that's kind of about it. I kind of got that point in your tweet and I kind of realized, okay, this would take a long time to really... It's getting more and more contrived. Yes, it it certainly is contrived. Um, I mean, the whole thing is contrived. But uh, let's be fair the the Big Bang is rather contrived in certain ways because we just we don't understand certain things about uh, how quantum gravity works. So we mm-hmm. we kind of make up some things, and it looks right, but we don't know for sure. So, but it's a lot less contrived than. <laughs> Then some anthropomorphic thing going, oh, let me make a little guy as a copy of me and uh, let me take out one of his ribs and make a copy of him that has tits that he can fuck. That's... <laughs> it's a little harder to buy, but, you know... Whatever. You see that comment on Twitter about us not using uh, tongue raping? No. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I did not see that comment about tongue raping. Uh, apparently, I think I said it. I didn't think I said it, like, often or, um, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, uh. With with emphasis, but yeah, someone said Kyle. We had a deal, Kyle. What's his Twitter handle? I don't see it on screen here. Oh, it's we had a deal, Kyle. <laughs> CBR three hundred five. We had could a deal, guys, Kyle. Could you guys knock it off with the tongue rape simile? It's obnoxious and offensive. I apologized. Did we? Uh, We're talking about some aggressive hop. And I probably said tongue rape, and you probably said, Did you really say that? And uh, I didn't think I said it more than once. If I was really drunk, I might have said it in the recap, in the review part. Yeah. So I definitely. I can see see myself reacting like, What? (laughs) To tongue raping. So I understand, dear Kyle. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I don't like the idea of, of using rape in that context. Uh, you guys are too sensitive. Oh, no, the problem is not using rape in any context is bad. The problem is if you're going to make a joke about rape, you punch up. You don't punch down. Okay. Help me out with that. I don't understand. So that means you don't joke about the victim. You joke about the perpetrator. Or you joke about... You know the the person the the thing that's that's causing the problem, not the person who, or the situation that is being affected by the problem. If you're going to joke about something, punch upward, don't punch downward. Okay. I'm not sure how I would joke about that, but <laughs> maybe that's why I did it wrong. It, it, it's hard, yeah. <laughs> See, I apologize. I did not. Uh, I don't mean to be one of those frat boy things that. There's so many things you can't say anymore, though. You know, we stopped saying gay. Mm-hmm. And that took a conscious effort, right? Because just... For a while, did The yeah. era we grew up in... Yeah. It was a simile for dumb. And so hard not... So hard to kick that habit. You know, 
using rape for shorthand of an unpleasant experience. Yes, that's belittling, I guess, if you, especially when you say it that way. Yeah. Especially when you say it that way. <laughs> um, which is exactly how I meant to use it. So now it becomes more clear, right? <laughs> but it's it, it's hyperbole, right? You mm-hmm. know, we're just trying to say that, you know, this hop was really aggressive. Yeah. It was, you know, it was... It was a douchebag. It was it was a rapey hop. So that that's where I'm punching up. You know, <laughs> okay. I'm punching up at at douchebags who are who are fucking rapey. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to see if we can get Kyle uh, <laughs> get Kyle's approval. On <laughs> this that. hop's a douchebag. <laughs> I'm trying to see if we get any other recent feedback of note. They got this thing from Trish. Trish? Did you see that? From Wish Experience. No. I have not seen email or... Yeah, email. Wish Experience. Well, do you have it? Because I don't know know where it's at. Seriously, it was mailed to Beard, Jeff, and Greg. About? Shameless Plug and Love. I don't recall seeing that. So somebody who has a show in New York likes our show. And would I and would give us tickets to to her show too if we ever came to New York. Which is cool. We'd we'd have you on the show, Trish, if you ever came to Pittsburgh. I did not see such an email. Hmm. I'll have to check my spam or yeah, no, haven't seen that. Thank you, Trish. Did she so she likes the show? So yeah. she said, "Nice." Said her and her partner love the show. So awesome. We would want you guys to come to uh, to our show. If if you guys ever come to New York City, New York City, we would totally hook you up with ticks, or we could come to you. Pittsburgh isn't so far. I'm sure there are lots of places we could do the show there. Yeah, so it's just like a live show. Or? Yeah, it's a it's a live show. A brief history of beer. It's a one hour drink along adventure through our time in our quantum pint machine Zythos. We travel through time with the audience drinking and learning the history of beer. I am the captain of the ship, which is powered by beer, of course. And Will Glenn is my science officer. Imagine sketch comedy meets Star Trek meets lecture. That sounds neat. Yeah, it sounds does. Like something you could actually tour with, yeah. right? I bet you they have some good jokes. <laughs> we are called Wish Experience. We wrote the show in the UK back in 2013. We've been touring it ever since. Right now we are doing the show the last Sunday of every month in New York City. We were sponsored by Six Point. Six Point Brewing. That's cool. Uh, but we want to continue traveling around the U.S. to bars and microbrews. We'd love to hear from anyone who thinks our show might do well in their town, in their brewery, or their bar. Our Twitter and Facebook is Wish Experience, and our email is info at wishexperience.com. Cool. Okay, so here it is. When I search for Trish, I find it. Today, 131. Why the hell is it not? Oh, there. I got it. Okay. I see it. I would have <laughs> right. seen it eventually. It wasn't sorted the right way. So, so thank you, Trish. Um, maybe we'll plug your show on our next uh, show. Yeah, sounds neat. Uh, sounds like a good mix of 
fun real facts and yeah you know. and having the audience drink along with you is mm-hmm. is nice it, yeah. it, it loosens everything up i like that i like that concept cool huh. it's a neat idea i uh kind of wish i had thought of doing something like that <laughs> <laughs> i think that's enough for tonight i think we did our our share of pumpkining out yeah yeah let's get out of here thanks everyone <laughs> See ya. For listening, we'll see you again next time. Don't catch a bola, everybody. Hey, I just got off an airplane. I wonder if I got a bola. Oh my god! Uh, there was just, I wanted—I just want to bring this up very briefly because you know the Ebola thing happened, and, and then there was a person who traveled in you know, in the Dallas airport, and so there are people in our staff who travel a lot, and like the next day we got an HR message saying, you know, it, nobody from. Simple View traveled through Dallas that day or Cleveland and nobody was on those flights. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, <laughs> there's this, there's an irrational fear people have of, of dying on an airplane, you know, in a crash when the, mm-hmm. ch- when, when the odds are ridiculously to the point where it's absurd. And now people, this was like the day after this of all news hit that people are now reacting to something that is even more astronomical, <laughs> the odds of getting Ebola. But it needed to be responded to with a big HR email. I was just like, Well, people wow. don't understand, right? They think that, A, it, someone could have Ebola and, not be, be, and be contagious without showing symptoms. Mm-hmm. They think that... If that person is on the same airplane as you, you're dead. Mm-hmm. And you're laughing, but it's not... I mean, everything people know about vir- pandemics, they've learned on they've learned in the movies. Right. Right? Right, yeah. And I mean, but it's just... It, it's... I'm just happy I didn't sit beside someone with a cold. Yeah, if I was sitting beside someone with a cold, I'd be like freaking the fuck out right now. I mean, I, I but I mean, you know, I know the math, and I know it's it's silly to be worried about this sort of thing. And Ebola, particularly, is not. I mean, if you get Ebola, that's bad, but getting Ebola is really hard to do. Right, but I mean, could you imagine sitting beside someone on an airplane who has like a runny nose and is blowing their nose today? Uh, yeah, I can. It would freak you the fuck out. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Everybody, get your flu shot. The CDC recommends everybody over the age of six months get a flu shot. It doesn't hurt. It may, it may be sore for a day. It doesn't actually hurt, though, the shot. It's real quick and simple. And you don't want the flu. You don't want the flu. I know you think the flu is just a bad cold. No. Cold's very different than the flu. Cold, cold, you know, gives you a little bit of a, you know, you, just, you feel bad for, for a day or two and you're done. The flu knocks you on your ass. You get vomiting, aching, uh, inab- you know, inability to eat, inability to, to, to move, high fever for days. And it's deadly. If you're sick... Old or 
young. <laughs> or, other, you know, other situations. It's a deadly virus. You can do something about it. And protecting yourself is also protecting everybody else because of herd immunity. Get a flu shot. It's cheap. Every place has them. Every CVS or or Rite Aid or Walgreens or Subway has them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's convenient. We had them at work. Um, yeah, so it's easy. So last year, the la- the last two years, I got my flu. Last shots year, at Rite Aid. I was not in the office the day they had flu shots. I might have broken your rule last year. I might have not. You son of a bitch! <laughs> now, I'm, I'm trying at- to think. No, I mean, I'm 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 a, I'm a pro flu shot guy. I am just not sure I actually took the time to go get one. You can't get the flu from a flu shot. The flu in the flu shot has no genetic material in it. It can't transmit. It's just there to activate your antibodies. Yeah, I got to uh, make sure Heather schedules flu shots for the kids. Mm-hmm. She uh, and try to talk her into getting one herself. She won't get one. She thinks it makes her sick. It doesn't make. I mean, it can make. It can. Your body will react to it mm-hmm. and start to produce antibodies, and so you may get a low grade. You know, like your your body is like. Reacting, you may get like a really low grade fever or something as your body heats up because mm-hmm. it thinks it's being invaded, but that's not the flu. I know. I'll talk to her tomorrow, make sure she gets some kids scheduled. The kids are inhaled ones, right? So it's even easier. Uh, the kids can't, you can't get inhaled ones. The inhaled ones are a, uh, they're a, different than the flu shot because it's a, it's not a dead virus. It's actually mm-hmm. a live virus, but it's an attenuated live virus that is easy to kill. Get your Ebola shot, too. Yes. <laughs> your Ebola shots that don't exist. So, uh, I don't know. What's your prediction on, like, what Ebola in the United States is going to be like in the next month next month two months like how many more people do you think half the society probably yeah. no i'm just know. curious no, I, I saw a neat thing on you know nate silver in 538 blog right they're talking about how i guess I, I i so i you know when you travel you you miss out on a lot of news but i gather we've banned flights from west africa or something like There's that something like that going on no i but I, most I expect- most people who travel from west africa come through paris and london mm-hmm. and nate you know 538 blog pose a question we're going to ban those flights uh, I would expect that there will probably be isolated incidents because this is a pretty big outbreak of what turns out to be a uh, for its type a, a rather benign Ebola virus only kills 60% as opposed to 90% of the oh really? Yeah. really? I didn't Back know that the, um, I mean I, I, I knew it was like if you Get into care early. It's about fifty percent mortality rate. Yeah. If you get into care late, it's like eighty percent. Yeah, you're done. Um, it, but you know, it, also these are places that don't have, you know, significant and good Western care. Uh, but that doesn't. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to die from it. It just means that you can hopefully, 
if your body is strong enough and, and you get it at the right time, you can be, you can right. probably get, you know, keep it up because it's, it's, it, it's not Ebola that kills you. It's sepsis that kills you. But sepsis is bad. Yeah. Sepsis is bad. Anyway, uh, now I, I would say that in, in the next couple of months, I would not be surprised if there were uh, one or two more, like, you know, blips. You know, maximum, I would say, 10 people. And I'd be shocked if there was it was actually that high. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was like, oh, we got a blip of something here and a blip of something here. But no, it's not going to spread. We have better containment than that. All right. It's interesting times we live in. It is interesting times we live in, yes. The ancient Chinese curse. (laughs) All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. Yeah, blah, blah. Have a good week, everybody. Blah 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 blah. Do 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 do.